Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So yeah, so it's been a week for us. Um, <laughs> the truth is I'm, I'm so thankful for my wife. Um, she is... She's like the person in my life that's the example of um, being grounded in love so that she's just resting. I don't know how she rests in faith like that. I, um, I'm, a, I'm about to tell you, it's going to be a very different message this morning. I'll just warn you, I, I um, did not do my normal research and prep and, and it got down to the, you know, the last days of the last minute and I asked Lord will you I mean what do you want me to do and and I believe he just wants me to tell you about a conversation that I had with him and uh, it's going to come <clears throat> in the context of um, my story this week my walking with him through what this week was for us and um, and so anyway part a lot of what I'm going to tell is um, my failures of this week. Thank, thank Jesus for his victory because I'm really good at failing um, and the Lord is really good to use all of it to, to love and teach and bless and, and I'm just going to share some of that. And I guess I just hope that it's even just a bit of the blessing for you that it was for me. And so I'm just turning this over to the Lord and I'm going to kind of tell a story in a sense with the scriptures that he gave me um, just most of it right in the order as it happened for me. Um, but I just want to start by introducing, you know, you, I'm, you've probably heard me say this before. Um, I firmly believe that there are attributes of God, parts of God's identity that he means to fill us with because we're his sons, right? Sons and daughters. And um, he's making us into his image. But there are parts of the attributes of God that you can only grow into, you only really possess and own as you walk through things. Do you know what I'm saying? There are things that, um, that uh, you, you only grow into this identity in Christ that he wants you to have when you walk through trials, these things. There are things that you only walk into those powerful things of the identity of Christ when you go through betrayal. Okay, anybody been betrayed? <laughs> okay, and so you probably know that there's, there's aspects of his identity and his character that he's putting in his sons and daughters, but you only, you only really come to own or possess that land as you walk through being betrayed or whatever it is. I didn't have betrayal this week. I'm just using that as an example. Um, or overcoming illness. Illness in your body. There are aspects of the goodness, the love. Um, God is healer that even if you've participated in others' healings, there's an aspect where when you walk through being healed in your body, that's when you come into that victory or owning that land in your heart that the Lord wants you to have. You get there by walking through illness or being healed through illness. Does that make sense? We're going to talk a little bit about that. And do you, um, one more thing. Do you know that you cannot afford to think differently about yourself than he thinks about you? In fact, I think that that's, that's the battle of our lives. 
<laughs> he adores you. He, he is absolutely delighted with you even when you're failing like I mostly did this week. He's absolutely delighted. Thank you, God. And, uh, and where we err, what God's trying to build us into are his chosen people who actually think of ourselves the way he thinks of us. And in fact, when we don't, when we think about ourselves differently than he thinks about us, then we find that um, we're really not walking in that victory that he wants us to have. And I mean victory in the trial. I'm not talking about like he just wants us to be walking in. We're winners all the time. He, he, he's a journey God. Do you know that? He's a journey God. Every one of his guys and, and girls in the Bible, every, his, his people are journey people. <laughs> you know, do you know why that is? See, now I'm all, I'm all off track already. <laughs> do you know why he's a journey God? This is so important to understand this. He's a journey God because he's far more interested into building you into someone who can hold, who can hold the promise, who, who can steward responsibly the inheritance. He's far more interested in that than he is in just handing you the inheritance. You know that. We read all in this story that his, his people, he gives them the inheritance over and over, doesn't he? <laughs> and, and often, and this kind of mirrors my life too, I include myself in the lot, okay? He gives the inheritance and we can't hold it. <laughs> you fall out and he's got to give it back. But he's very interested because he loves you so much and because he has such good plans, he's very interested, he's more interested in building you into someone who is, who is capable to hold the inheritance than he is in just, in just handing you some, something flippantly. Amen? Unfortunately, that was a lot of my week. I'm still a little upset about it. Um, <laughs> um, I want to start, go to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, and I'm going to start in 17. Those of you who know me, this is one of my um, life verses. I'm not capable of having a favorite verse, so this is like one of the top hundred. <laughs> and it says, now, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, so as we behold him, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So um, I just feel like this needs to be our starting place for the things that um, he wants me to share. Um, just go ahead and say this with me. He's bringing me from glory to glory. Okay, so he's, he's put, in other words, this is what we already started talking about. His goal in you is to put his own DNA, to put himself his, in the spirit, to put himself into you, and it's from glory to glory as we walk the journey, right? Okay, um, now I'm going to tell, tell you a bit of the story. I'm going to give you the cliff note version. So as he told you, we were camping and he fell out of a tree, broke he broke his ankle, or we didn't even know yet. We just knew that, like, wow, that's a messed up ankle. So we went to the emergency room. Um, 
in Salida. <laughs> we ended up um, being recommended to a specialist and we're just thinking we have so many people praying and I'm even believing we've had this miracle. They're in the emergency room. I mean, his leg was, his leg almost looked like a U and I'm like, whoa, that's broken. Then the news comes back that it's not really and we're looking at these good bones and I look back over and it's kind of straight. So I'm thinking, we've gotten a miracle here. Then we go to the specialist days later after we're back home and we're not expecting this at all, we find out that it's not, not only broke, but kind of broke in the worst possible place. It's broke right through the growth plate. So we're all kind of like in shell shock. It's a blow. And um, the doctor says some things that are very suspect to me when we're in the room to where I'm like, you're not telling the whole story. So I follow him out in the hall so I don't do this in front of my son. And um, the news that I get as a father is that his life is probably changed forever this is what he's telling me he's telling me he'll probably need ongoing procedures and or and um need grafts and we, we might have to stop the other leg from growing i'm going that doesn't make any sense you don't stop things from growing and i'm just shell-shocked okay as dad um and i'm just going to tell you something about um my wife here so um i'm going to tell you about some of my failure Okay, <laughs> so we walk out of that hospital, and and I'm not I'm not obviously sharing this in front of my son because he's got to stay encouraged. We get out to the car, and of course he's crutching behind, and I am full of anxiety. Now we're going to talk about that in a minute. We get out to the car, and I'm figuring I've got about five seconds to share something with my wife before my son crutches up. <sighs> Crutches up. That's a new verb. <laughs> <clears throat> and so this is what I say. I say, well, the doctor just told me his life will never be the same again. <laughs> and then we have an hour drive. It's pretty, pretty close to what I said, right? Then we have an hour drive where we can't talk because the son's in the car now. Um, and just in case you're wondering, that's not the right way to handle it. <laughs> Um, in fact, let's go ahead and say it's the wrong way to handle it. And we get home, and then so I'm getting the look like, we need to talk. <laughs> and, um, and then I go through that conversation, and I end up saying, saying to my wife at the end of that one, well, if you're looking for a perfect performance, you're looking, at the, you're looking for the wrong guy. And just in case you don't know, that's not the right way to handle that either. <laughs> it's just, that didn't go over well. Um, but I want to tell you about this before I just grab this scripture that God gave me. Um, do you know there is only anxiety um, or love <laughs> that, that, that operates everything? Do you, do you know that? In other words, being rooted and grounded in love is one way that we can operate or we, can, or we can worship or revere, and I'm going to tell you why I use the word worship. We can, we can revere something that is less than God. Do you know how you know, um, well, I'm not doing this at all like planned. Thank you, God, because I don't think it was a good plan. <laughs> do, do you know um, one indicator of when you're struggling with an idolatry, an idolatry of the heart? when you're feeling anxiety. 
Well, that's what the, one of the big things that the Lord did for me this week. Because do you know that anxiety is a form of idolatry? The only reason you would be in anxiety or fear is because you're revering something over the love and sufficiency and sovereignty of God. And so you'll note from my story that um, my, my wife is a rock. She's, I don't, she amazes me. She's unbelievable in the Lord and her faith. Um, I hope to grow up and be like her someday. Um, but um, what I want you to notice from that story is I, I did not love her well in those moments. Utter failure in terms of loving well. And it was the idolatry of anxiety. You see, if I was operating in love, then she'd have been loved well. That would have been the concern. I wasn't free to do that at that moment because I was worshiping. You know, the word worship is, comes from woe. What you, what you revere, what you bow to, woe to this. And I was giving woe to fear, woe to things that are far inferior to my God. Do you hear me? Okay, so I'm going to give you this scripture. So that night, we're scheduled for surgery in the morning. It's all like a 24-hour turnaround, right? So that night, um, she slept just fine because she's a pillar like that. She just trusts. She just rests. Um, not me. I didn't sleep at all. So I was um, up all night, and, get, and um, I resorted to the, to the most grounded study method, the random flip. That's what it... <laughs> That's what I had. That, that is what I had. Okay, so it's like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm finally like, oh, forget it. Why am I laying here? And I go do the random flip, and I get um, James chapter 1 and verse 2. <laughs> yeah, you all know. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> this was a fun conversation the Lord and I had. <clears throat> that says, um, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, it goes on, but that's where we stopped. <clears throat> that's where I was just, I was really not happy with the Lord in that moment, and I mean that seriously. I really, we just stopped right there, and I was like, um, that's not rational, <laughs> okay? And, um, and I was not good with this, and I, and I demanded of the Lord. I said to him, if this is a word of truth, for my life, then you're going to tell me how that's possible. You're going to tell me why that makes sense or, or we're done with this. So, I'm actually going to blow this apart. I'm going to do this a different way. Sorry about that, Paula. <laughs> I'm going to go to the Romans 8.28. In just a second, he gives me this just next. So, demand of him, I'm going to understand your ways, Lord. I just, I just caution you, if you do that, be prepared for him to answer it <laughs> when you want to know his ways. And so here in 828, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I know how many of you are familiar with that? Very familiar. You've even meditated on it before, spent time. Okay, me too. But here's what I'm going to show you. I kept reading, and I realized I think we disconnected from the verse that comes next. So let me read that. 
It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let's just break that down for a minute. First of all, do you realize that um, the last month we've been teaching on um, being the friend of God, right? Anybody being blessed in that? Are you growing in that? Okay, how do you think of yourself as God, as someone that God wants to be or Jesus wants to be your brother? Now there's one where I'm like, hmm. And this is hitting me. He wants you to so much have the DNA of himself that, um, that you're, you know, you're adopted in the family. He wants you to be a brother. Tell me that's not mind-blowing. Now, I'm going to connect these two scriptures exactly like God did it for me. <clears throat> Do you know you're foreknown? Say, I'm foreknown. You know you're predestined. Okay, now listen. His goal is to conform you to the image of his son in virtue, in power, in faithfulness, in peace. So much so that you're a brother. That's his goal. How does he do that? He works all things together for good. Okay? The, the good things? Well, yeah, all things, right? The tragic thing? The things where you're sitting there saying, God, where were you when this? I mean, you were watching. <clears throat> Anybody done that? Yeah, I was that brat this week. Yeah, that was me. All things, but all things to the goal of what? Conforming us to his son. Now, all of a sudden, um, I stood corrected before the Lord, as so often happens with me, and I, and I got it. All of a sudden, there was a hunger. A, the hunger was back. There was a fire back in me. I could see something good, okay? Even in that stupid scripture, James. <laughs> I could see the good in it. All of a sudden, the fire was back that like, um, how do we count it all joy when we're in various trials? There's only one way. You believe this. You believe that he's, he's working all things, and if you have any interest at all in being conformed to the image of his son, then all of a sudden, whatever, whatever he decides in his sovereignty to bring to you, you can find joy in that. I wasn't there yet. That would come tomorrow in the story, but um, I was getting there. I was kind of like, oh, I could feel the sting of, um, I demanded an answer and he gave me one. Okay, now I'm going to show you something. Okay, now I'm going back to somewhat normal, I think, if there is a normal. Actually, I'm going to go to Matthew, Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and verse 13. Okay, in fact, I think this was in the last message too. I'm not sure. This is Jesus' conversation with Peter. And the Lord, I knew that the Lord had given me this in this moment of trial, but it, um, sometimes I'm slow on the uptake, especially when I'm in a trial because I'm not like her. And um, I didn't, I really had to sit with this one for a while. And um, so starting in 13, it said, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah are one of the prophets. You know, all them answers are weird because all them guys are dead at this point, including John the Baptist. <laughs> but here's, here's the deal. He, 
he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Now listen to me. This is what the Lord began. This was just for me. I hope it blesses you too. (laughs) I believe he's asking that all the time. He's saying, who do you say that I am? In fact, I think, I think it is the basis of, of um, our discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus. Who do you say that I am? And um, what kind of came to my mind was, I, I don't remember which company, one of the cell phone companies used to have that commercial where they said, can you hear me now? And then somewhere, can you hear me now? I believe God's, what he's doing is changing our circumstances, our locations, and he's going, who do you say I am now? And, uh, you know, in good times, who do you say that I am? And then when this tragedy, or at least what feels like any, you know, tragedy to you, this tr- you're in a season of trial, and he goes, who do you say I am now? How about now? Now, just next, I'm not going to read it. You know, you know what happens next. He begins declaring Peter's God-given identity. Just next, he begins saying, you're the rock, you're the man, the kingdom of heaven is going to do all this stuff with you. You know he does that with you too, right? There's not a person in this room that has a call that is less important to God than Peter's. Do you know that? <clears throat> so he's saying, who do you say that I am? Because he's, he's building a people of faith who can hold the inheritance because his entire plan is to do what he does with Peter. Based on your answer, based on who, who you become in Christ, he's speaking your identity onto you. He's speaking your, your, your destiny. Those who are predestined, he called, Right? Do you know that just next, Peter, um, um, almost literally just next, he goes and denies Christ three times. And this is what God began to show me. Um, It was a hard one for me. Um, I wasn't really having fun with my friend, Jesus, at at this moment. Um, But he began to show me that um, when we live in such a way that we're not living who we know him to be in our life, then that's the denial. Do you know that? This is not a condemning message, okay? There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ, only growth into becoming someone who can hold the the size of the destiny that he has for you, the inheritance that he's planned for you. Okay, that's freedom. It's not condemnation. So in all of this, his voice was so loving to me. I need you to hear that. But he was showing me that so, so anxiety, when, I, when I'm letting anxiety win, I'm denying who he is. It's a journey, God. Do you know belief you know what you believe, what I believe, um, you, have a, you have a cognitive belief. So I could say to you, just like Peter's answer, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. I don't think I read it. That's his answer, right? He gets, in that moment, he gets the right answer. <laughs> and then almost immediately he walks out and we find out what he believes in his heart. I experienced some of that this week. You know, hardship has a way of revealing what we actually believe. (laughs) You ask me on any given day, 
whether I believe in the sufficiency of Jesus for my family, and I will give you the right answer. (laughs) And then you bring me to a week like this one, (laughs) um, and I was hard to live with. Am I telling the truth? (laughs) She always tells the truth. So hardship has this way, journey has a way of taking what you know and making it something you know. Okay, I'm going to show you some other things here, I think. Actually, I want to give you some context in this as long as we're doing this. It's in Romans, so all things work together. Which things? All things. Why? To build you up. Yeah, because he's conforming you into the image of his son. Only as you're conformed to the image of his son, becoming a brother like that with the same DNA, can you hold the same power Jesus held. You know you minister in the same spirit he ministered in. (laughs) The word of God is very clear that he laid down the divine attributes. He did it willingly. He was still God, but he laid down the attributes. Everything that he did when he walked on the earth ball was in the ministry of the Holy Spirit exactly like he calls on you. The same power that rose him from the dead is the power that's in you. Okay, so I'm going to give you context here. All things work together because he has that goal for you. If you back up in the same chapter, Romans 8 and verse 18, this is how Paul starts. He says, "Um, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Does that, does that connect with you for that? He's moving you from glory to glory. Why? Because we're beholding Jesus as in a mirror and he's slowly conforming you to the image of his son or quickly sometimes. Anybody had it quickly? You're doing better than me. That's good. Usually it's really painful and slow in my life. But <laughs> he can do things quickly. Actually, it was quickly before I got married. And then all of a sudden, everything was painful and slow. <laughs> I'm telling you, I used to be one place and then the Lord would say, um, like I'd just be going along and being, doing just fine and the Lord would say, we're, we're going here now and we'd be, I mean literally in the course of days I'd be moving across the country to work over here because I knew the Lord was calling, everything was real fast and then I got married. <laughs> Thank God because... Okay, now go to, let's keep reading. See, and then it starts talking about creation groans out, right? And I have to tell you, I was in a place where I was like, who cares? <laughs> That's where I was that, that night. Like, all I really care about right now is my groaning. <laughs> and he was okay with that. Um, but I want to read on verse 23. It says, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. We were saved, now listen, we were saved with this hope. 
But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? Now here's where I'm going. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now I want you to hang on to that, to that perseverance word. Okay, it's perseverance or patience. And go with me to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4. This is the other, these are random flips. <laughs> and these are the things that he's, he's leading me through. Um, I'm amazed he can, he can meet me at my, at my lowest. Does anybody ever stop being amazed at that? That when like you put away, you put away all the ways you know how to search him, seek out his truth and his word and he's meeting me in random flips. <laughs> okay, verse 1, Philippians 4, 1. It says, Now therefore, my beloved, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. That's how he starts this letter to the Philippians, and, and that's already speaking to me. I'm thinking I, I'm already starting to feel that call. To, there's something to stand in here then. And stand in what? Do you got it? You're standing in the love of the Lord. Remember, there's, there's only anxiety and love. That's it. You're either operating, you're either believing from a place of love where you're grounded in who he is and absolute assurance that he's got you, that he loves you like that, or you're beginning to worship anxiety, fear. In fact, let's talk about temptation for just a minute. This is something he showed me. Do you know, um, in, early, um, in our early years as a Christian or maybe even long into them, we tend to think of temptation as like avoiding the classic sins. <laughs> okay, do you all know that one? So like sins of lust, lust sins or greed sins or something like that. And that's what we think of as temptations. But you know, the, the longer I've walked this out and the longer I've known people that are far more mature in the Lord than I am, I find that the real temptation is this. The real temptation is the temptation to fear. In fact, I can, I can quickly make the case for you that the word of God lays out the case that even the temptations we normally think of, temptations of lust or greed or envy or malice, oh, these temptations of sin, these are all actually instances where we have been tempted to fear and so therefore we begin to engage in these sins because we're, we believe that they are offering us something that we never needed from that. And if we were grounded in love, we wouldn't, they, they wouldn't even tempt us. It really comes down, the only temptation is do I believe God? Do I believe what he says? All the way to Adam and Eve in the garden, temptation is, the, the temptation of the enemy is to fear the failure of God on our behalf. That's it. Unfortunately, I was really good at that this week. I mean, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I had all kinds of idolatries and fears, anxieties going on in my heart. Everything from medical bills, I mean, the stupidest stuff, as if like our abundant God has, has a problem with paying the bill <laughs> part of this equation. Idolatry. I'm telling you, the Lord was telling me that's idolatry. You're either grounded in my love or you're not. You've either given in to the temptation of anxiety and fear or you're grounded in my love. 
And pretty much every time I began to, to worship or began to revere in the smallest way the anxieties that I was feeling, I began to not love well. Is that true? She knows. That's my amazing wife that loves me anyway. Okay, so I was reading something here. Um, actually, <laughs> go on to verse 4 with me. Here it's stand fast in the Lord. And then verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm like, oh, here we go. You're going to make an epic pattern. You're going to make it so obvious. I, I can't not do the right thing here, aren't you, Lord? Again, I say rejoice. When do we rejoice? Always. So I want to tell you the next morning I'm in, I'm in the hospital while, while he's in having the thing done. It's really hard on a dad. And I'm going down the hallway saying, all right, I'm going to find something to rejoice in. I'm going to find the goodness. The, I'm going to find the goodness of God in this moment. And I'm pacing the halls, going, um, "This coffee's lousy, but I'm so thankful that I have coffee in my cup." <laughs> and I began to rejoice, and I felt I felt my spirit lift. And then he began showing me the real things. Jesus is in the operating room with him. I rejoice. And he's in like probably the best hospital in the world that he could possibly be in at this moment with probably the best doctor. I rejoice. And before I know it, I'm going through them halls and I'm, I'm praising. And the idolatry of anxiety began to fall off of me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I want to show you that this is in the scripture. It's not just rejoice always and it's just kind of making a statement. It really is saying, you could translate this re rejoice even when it stinks. That really is what it's saying. Because if you read on, um, actually the very next verse, verse 5, Philippians 4, 5, says, let, you, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. That's a peculiar statement. Now, this is one of those where I did later actually go and look at the language. Isn't that weird? Like, does the Lord just value gentleness? Like, well, that's my prized son. He's the most gentle one of them all. <clears throat> this word gentleness, actually, um, it's a tough one to translate. And it actually means like um, rest or stability. So it's like, so what's it saying? It's saying... Let your example of being one who, who rests in the Lord so much that you have this stability, let your example of rest and stability be known to all men. In other words, what we are, we are a people that are so certain that we're delighted in by God, that we're treasured by him with such a mighty faith like my wife's that he's got us no matter what happens to us that others would look and go, would go, man, you're weird. <laughs> That's what that word gentleness means. It's an example of rest in the times when it doesn't make sense, makes us a living testimony of God. And if, you, if you're wondering if I quite have that, notice that the next statement is, the Lord is at hand. 
<laughs> we can't detach these things. It's saying, so what does it say? Let your example of how you rest and how you are stable because of the way you rest in the Lord be such before men. And why can you do that? It's a, it's a living testimony that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's available. Uh, you might be seeing this tragedy that's befallen my family, but um, my failure in what the Lord is teaching me this week is that I am, to be, I am to be one. I am called to be a living testimony of the reality that his kingdom is at hand. You guys hear me preach that all the time. And then hardship comes, <laughs> and what I really believe is revealed. Do you hear me? Okay, now I'm going to show you this. It goes on. You're going to know this next scripture. It goes on to verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. Right. <laughs> right? But if you, if you knew, if we knew the goodness, the stability, the reliability, really, if you just knew how deeply he delights in you, it would be easy to be anxious for nothing. Church, we, we just need a revelation Amen. of how much he loves, of the plans he's got on your life. If we just have a revelation of that, we would be anxious of nothing. And he could, he could just say, who do you say that I am? <laughs> and no anxiety, there'd be no door for anxiety. And Father, I just pray, even for myself and, my, and everyone in here, everyone who's not here, Lord, that you would grant a revelation of the depth of your love that makes it so we are the chosen people who can be anxious for nothing. That's called spontaneous prayer. <laughs> be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now listen, that's our part, that's our role. And then it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Did you hear the result? We're anxious for nothing. We just take to him everything in prayer, in being rooted and grounded in his love, like Paul's prayer in Ephesians, both of them. <laughs> rooted and grounded in his love in such a way that we're anxious for nothing. We just bring everything in prayer with thanksgiving, okay? Thanking God for my terrible coffee in the hospital with thanksgiving. And the result is, did you hear the result? Now listen with me. This, this is the word of God. You can take this to the bank. The result is he will guard your hearts and minds. Now I'm going to tell you about that, that word. Actually, I'll do that in a minute. One of my other top 100, 1,000 favorite scriptures is um, Proverbs 4.23. Do you all know this one? It's got not as famous. Okay, this one. And I'm going to read it in two versions because I've noticed that you can read this in, the, in all 25 translations or however many there are in the Bible, and it's incredibly different every time. So I'm just going to read it in two. But in the New King James Version, it's keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. I hope you're connecting. This is what I've been talking about the whole time. The issues of life. How well I love 
my wife in that moment. That's, that's an issue. That's a very important issue in life. How, how stable of a, of a father I'm being to my son at this moment. That's an issue. See, these are the issues of life. The actions that come out of our beliefs. The actions that are born deep in the heart. And I'm going to tell you that word keep is the same as the word guard. Remember that, that God's promise to us is that he will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, now I'm going to read that in the NIV. NIV says, above all else, above all else. In other words, like if your question is like, what's the most important thing I do? <laughs> above all else, <clears throat> guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And I tell you about this word guard. This word guard um, literally means a watcher in advance to mount guard as a sentinel or post spies or guards at the gates as with, as with a garrison. Okay? So the promise is being rooted and grounded in his love, Lord, give us a revelation, makes it so that um, we can rejoice always. We're anxious for nothing. And in doing that, what's the promise? In doing that, there's literally a guard set up around our hearts to believe something that's inferior to God, to begin idolatry, to begin worship, giving reverence to something that does not deserve our reverence something that is far below our great God whose love cannot, cannot be taken away from you. Guard, guard our hearts. <laughs> that his promise is, is that it's set up. It's a guard against temptation. What temptation? That word's never used here. I'm just telling you. I hope you're seeing the pattern. It's a guard against temptation. What temptation? You got it? The temptation to fear. The temptation to let something else rule. Put something else on the throne instead of the reliability of your great God. And then instantly, just next, you know it, you all are probably familiar enough, it goes right into what to think on. Are you familiar with that? I'm just going to read that. Verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, you know, it's the truth that sets you free. Anxiety is a bondage. Fear is a bondage. In fact, anything accepting, listen to this, accepting anything inferior to who your God is, is a bondage. That's why we prayed over our leaders like that this morning. I just felt moved in the spirit that there are bondages. There's an inferior, inferior spirit speaking into the great things God's doing and plans to do, is, is already doing, is about to do. And the, the easiest way that the enemy can hinder and come against is to come against our leaders. Would you do me a favor, just as we move into the fall, will you not forget that this church is full of leaders that, are, that have a heart to cooperate with God in his good, good plans. And will you remember to pray for them? And this is talking about me. I mean, throughout this church, pray for our leaders, okay? Whatever's true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, lovely, 
things that are of good report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do these. Listen, and the God of peace will be with you. If he's with you, how many times did um, Pastor Teresa say that this morning? Do you see the prophetic, the things in your songs? I'm just blown away. The, the guard, um, guarding your heart was in the song. Actually, I wrote it on my hand. Love becomes my greatest defense. And what's that other line about, specifically about guarding? Putting her on the spot here. That's okay. No big deal. But literally this scripture, it had to be inspired by this scripture. He will guard your heart. What? When you're rooted and grounded in his love. I didn't even read Paul's prayer there, but when you're rooted and grounded in his love in such a way that you say, I'll not be anxious. <laughs> I will rejoice. And you know, um, we all have this struggle. So, so here's maybe the last thing I want you to take away. Life, life deals us things in the sovereignty of God. Do you remember why? He's got the one goal. Why? To conform us to the image of, of his son. Right. There's something you can rejoice in. I don't care what the trial, what the calamity, you can stop and rejoice that he promised that no matter what's going on, he's using all these things to conform us to his son. That was my turning moment from where I was being a brat with the Lord <laughs> to moving back into, I remember you're good. I remember you got me. In fact, it, it brought back a fire. I was fireless. That's such a thing. There's such a thing as fireless. It brought back a fire that it was like, I want that. I could feel the hunger again, even, even in the middle of the night, um, from anger to hunger. There's a, there's a swing for you. It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> Thank you all for your prayers this week, I've, so I don't forget to say that. We've, we've felt the bathing of that prayer. And I know this. I know that many of you, um, let me say, I think it's unbelievable how many things are going on. Um, everything from just distractions to to major things that are that are falling on people, and it's um, sometimes it gets it's almost like watching the news. Like, is there is there any good news out there? I've been feeling that way for about a month, and I don't I don't think it's coincidence. Um, so if you want to join with me, first of all, let me do this. Is there anybody in here that's willing to raise your hand because you want prayer for this, that you know you're in a trial right now and you're finding it difficult to, um, what's the words, to count it, count it joy that you're going through this? Yeah, that, that's it. Raise your hands. Keep, raise your hands if it's you, if it's you. Okay. Um, let's, church, let's just pray for that right now, Okay. Okay, in the name of Jesus, we bind the spirit of fear, the spirit of confusion, and the spirit of distraction. And we know that you saw these hands, you already, you already knew, you already knew. And Father God, we release your Holy Spirit upon them. We ask for an anointing on these trials, that it's going to put the enemy to shame in the name of Jesus. 
Good try. But we know that, that our God has a plan to conform us to his image, to make us a brother in the same power, in the, in the same ministry, in the same joy that you walked in Jesus and we release your spirit, the spirit of that over every one of these situations. And Lord, I know that there are probably different lengths of time. You're a journey, God. So some of these things you're just alleviating right now as we pray, but others are going to be long journeys to the breakthrough of victory that you have. And I just pray for the perseverance that we read about, the, the perseverance, but the joy that comes with it as they persevere, that crazy, irrational <laughs> miracle would be upon them, that they would have the joy of knowing that you are the God that is conforming them to the image of your son, even in this thing, that there would be an anointing of the ability to believe that, that you would help them be anxious for nothing. Build us into a people that are so rooted and grounded in your love that nothing can touch us even on the hard parts of the journey. And now, Father, I specifically lift up um, our leaders across all of our ministries in this church in the name of Jesus. And I, I ask that um, in that name, in your name that has all the power, I ask for a release of fresh spirit in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you're just coming upon and you're releasing anointings for the fall, for the harvest season. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, we look forward to a harvest. And so every discouraging word that we've been feeling, uh, we cast that down in your name right now. And we just open our hands. If you're a leader in here, just lift, just open your hands. You're about to receive something. In, in the name of Jesus, I am asking that you are already placing the harvest in the hands. <laughs> that as we persevere, as we're patient, as we're anxious for nothing, that you're going to guard our hearts and it's going to bring a harvest. In the name of Jesus, we declare our belief that you have harvest coming, that, you're, that the harvest is going to reach outside these walls. It's going to reach out into the community. It's going to bring people. We thank you that healing is coming in the name of Jesus. We thank you that freedom and the breaking of bonds is coming in the name of Jesus. We thank you that you have good plans and it's only those that we revere and believe in, the things that you speak. I ask in the name of Jesus that you are silencing voices that are contrary to you. Inferior voices will be bound in the name of Jesus. Now, um, we're done with that in the name of Jesus. Are we done with that? Say amen. Amen.